0: You are listening to episode 12 of Full Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 22, Niall Orbital, 2352, August 16. Third section had the day watch our second day in Nile. I used the time to finish the data extractions for the log entries on systems that had shut down cleanly. I had the new data plugged into the time delay model by the end of the watch. It was odd working on the bridge when the ship was docked. I had gotten so used to the dimness of the bridge while underway that the light being reflected off the orbital skin and into the bridge felt glaring. It was rather thrilling to look out and see the ships docked around on either side of us, though. The dock immediately to port was empty when we arrived, but the Josiah Wedgwood was docked in the next berth out. To starboard was the John C. Calhoun, and I smiled thinking of our last night back at Dunsany Roads. Of course, I wasn't alone on the bridge. Selena Matea was on third watch, and her station was on the bridge as well. She was a short woman who wore her hair longer than any spacer I'd met. Not that it was long, by any means, but when almost everybody wore their hair in one close-trimmed configuration or another, her page boy cut seemed very long. She had one of those smiles that peeked out and disappeared again, never lasting for long, but thoroughly enchanting when displayed. She was also one of the older spacers in the crew, I thought she was nearly as old as Frances, probably in her middle forties, which put her, I realized, with a shock, at the same age as my mother would have been. Selena had relieved second section by the time I got up there, since I'd stopped at the office to check in with Mr. Von Nichols. She was already running her ship status updates for the next few legs of the trip, and smiled a greeting when I came in. It was kind of pleasant having the place to ourselves, and each engaged in our own routines. By noon, I finally had all log transactions that recorded system shutdown events extracted and loaded into my delayed time display. I flashed a copy of it down to Mr. Von Nichols in the office, and Selena and I went down to get some lunch. Stepping onto the mess deck felt more like the import meal times I remembered than those last few days at Beatrice had been. Sarah had the duty in the galley, and she was decorating an elaborate cake that I assumed would be dessert for dinner, since the lunch buffet already had one of Cookie's grand apple cobblers on it. The crew had money and was out spending it, leaving the mess deck practically deserted. It was comforting in a way, but also a bit troubling. An extra couple of days in port made a big difference to so many of them. It seemed odd to me. Even discounting the creds that Pip and I made, trading, I never was in danger of running out of cred during our port stays. Most people must burn through an awful lot of cash. I felt a little awkward sitting to eat with Selena, since I really didn't know her that well. We'd spent the morning together working in silence on the bridge, though, and we were the only ones on the mess deck. It would have seemed rude to sit someplace else. She was easy to sit with, and even if we didn't talk much, she had those little flashing smiles. How are you coming on figuring out what went wrong, she asked. I shrugged. We sat and looked at the failed components for a couple of weeks. I finished adding the systems that shut down without failing just before we came down here, so I'm not sure what that's telling us, but we're still trying to track it down. Oh, you'll find it, between you and Mr. Von Nickel, she said with one of her little smiles. Well, don't forget Mr. Kelly and Mr. Maxwell and the captain, I said. They're all trying to find it, too. "'Oh, I wasn't discounting them, but they'll only be able to see what you and Mr. Von Nichols show them. Then they'll need to interpret it.' "'I wish I could think of what else we might need to show them,' I sighed. "'Just then Mr. Von Nichols popped into the mess deck, grabbed some food, and settled with us. You guys mind if an officer sits with you?' Selina considered him for a long moment. "'It'll be okay, I think, sir,' she finally said with a grin. "'Why, thank you, Miss Matteo,' he replied with a little bow. "'You are both generous and understanding.' We were just talking about the latest iteration of the failure display, I told him. Did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, he said, and it's interesting. We were green, all green, within a half second of the event, he said. What? Selina asked. How can that be? The ship did exactly what it was supposed to do and protected itself when we hit the charged particle field, he said. It was a huge charge, but the ship shut down everything the way it was supposed to. Well, then how did those components fail if they were shut down, she asked. Excellent question, he said. Ish? Ish? I could see where he was going with this. I'll get on it right after lunch, I told him. Silly not to have thought of it before. I could have grabbed all the data at once. Oh, I don't know, he said. If you'll build this last bit into its own overlay, we'll have complete and separate graphics for proper shutdown, the restart, and the failures. If that doesn't show us something, then we're missing a lot more than I think, he said. When we solve it, we should write it up and publish the article. This has been such a struggle. Would Mr. Kelly do that? Selena asked. Oh, I'm sure he'll write up an engineering article, but I'm talking about the data visualization aspects, he said. Maybe submit to the Journal of Visual Data. You're kidding, right? I asked. He shook his head. No, it's a classic problem, innovative solution. Time displays have been around for as long as they've been moving pictures, but this is an interesting application of time-delay visualization of a complex system interaction. Somebody else might benefit from it. You sound like my mother, I said. Selena asked. I think your mother probably had a higher voice than that. We all laughed at that, but I knew what I'd be doing for the next couple of watches. So what did you do before you had me to slice and dice data for you, Sar, I asked. We didn't, he said, which is why, Mr. Huang, we made the case to home office to create this slot. We live and die by data analysis, and if it's all the same to you, I'd rather skip the dying part. We all raised our coffee mugs and toasted that one. This afternoon, though, we have another little task, Mr. Von Nichols told me. I got permission from the captain to test the uh box at 1500 Excellent, Sar, I said. He turned to Selena and said, So, Ms. Mateo, want to help us crash the ship net? How are we going to do that without blowing up the ship, she asked. He grinned. Very carefully, Ms. Mateo. Very carefully. We finished lunch and all headed up to the bridge. Mr. Von Nichols brought up the main system display on his console, and we looked it over carefully. He pointed out the key factors. Main reactor generators are offline while we're on shore power. All the heavy field generators are secured, and the docking clamps are on interlock, so even if we lose power, they'll still hold us. He smiled at me. Go get the uh-oh box-ish, and let's boot it in parallel and see if it still works. I fetched it from the locker while he and Selina brought up a couple of more ship's displays. It booted right up and brought the shipnet code online. Theoretically, we could shut off the primary routers in Systems Main and keep a minimum control of the ship with a laptop serving as a kind of minimum central core. It wouldn't be pretty, but it might make the difference between living and dying. The three of us went through a checklist that Mr. Von Nichols had prepared. Selina had a couple of ideas, and I suggested some things too, and when 1500 rolled around, we were as ready as could be. I went down to the system's closet to wait out the last tick while Selena and Mr. Von Nichols readied themselves on the bridge. The first test was to see if the computer would take the load if it was already booted when the main router cage went offline. Selena did the honors on the announcement, and at the appointed signal I pulled the power coupling from the back of the main router cage. My tablet lost link for a moment and then locked back in. I got the power-up message from Mr. Von Nichols and plugged the cage back in. If it hadn't linked back up, I'd have powered up after a tick. The next was to check to see if the box would assume the load of the net was down when it booted. It took a couple of ticks to prepare, but I finally got the standby message from Mr. Von Nichols and pulled the plug on his mark. The delay was almost non-existent as my tablet lost link and then reacquired it. That didn't look right. It should have taken longer. Mr. Von Nichols sent the power-up message, though, and I restarted the cage again. The last test was a test of catastrophic failure systems main. I got the standby message, but this time on his mark, I pulled the main breaker to the whole closet. My tablet lost link for quite a while, but within three ticks it was back. There wasn't much there, but it was connected to the network, and there was basic communications. Mr. Von Nickel set the reboot and secure message over the tablet. When I got the system's main closet restarted, I went up to the bridge. I found Mr. Kelly, Mr. Von Nichols, and Selena all smiling. Well, that wasn't what I expected, Mr. Von Nichols was saying, but it worked when we needed it, so I guess I'm not going to complain too much. Mr. Kelly agreed. Yeah, I thought the system's redundancies would pick up where that single cage failure left off. Lynette shouldn't crash if we lose only one cage, but when the whole closet went down, the box gave us enough to keep basic power and steerage way. It's definitely a last resort option, Mr. Farnickle said, but if we need it, I'm glad to know it's here. We secured from the testing and told the rest of the ship over the speakers. Since you're here anyway, Fred, Mr. Farnickle said, take a look at this. He brought up the revised data display, showing all the systems shutting down, then the pause and the cascade of failures. "'What the?' Mr. Kelly said. "'Mr. Von Nichols said, "'Thanks. I thought I might be crazy, "'but that's definitely not what you expected to see, is it? "'Can you play that again and pause it one second past the event?' he asked. "'Mr. Von Nichols did, and Mr. Kelly leaned into the monitor "'as if, being close up to it, he could see it better. "'This says the ship was green one second after the event. "'By this time, the EMP was well beyond us.' "'Mr. Von Nichols nodded his agreement. "'Not only that, look how long it takes for things to start failing.' He keyed it to start again, and we watched nearly six seconds elapsed before the first failure, an atmospheric pressure sensor in the after-boat deck. After that, the cascade of failures fused the sensors and boards all the way to the bow in the back took another half-tick, while sporadic flashes in peripheral areas indicated an almost random pattern of systems and subsystems failures throughout the ship. Mr. Kelly just stood there, looking at it for a long moment. I guess I assumed that the system didn't respond properly, he said at last. "'Yeah, me too,' Mr. Varnickel said. "'I've got Ishmael stripping down the logs one more time "'to look for the systems as they came back online. "'There's something we're still not seeing.'" Chapter 23, Nihal Orbital, 2352, August 16. After the day watch, I was ready for some off-ship entertainment, and I found Pip waiting for me in deck berthing. "'Are we going someplace?' I asked him. "'Oh, I hope so,' he said. "'I want a meal I don't have to clean up after for a change.'" I remembered that feeling very well, and we hustled into our civvies. By 1830, we were on the lift, and I punched level eight. You don't want to go to the O2 deck, he asked, surprised. I'm with you on the meal. It's been a long time since I've eaten off the ship, and I'm ready for something a little different, I told him. Nothing against the O2 level, but I want something a little more upscale, shall we say. He grinned. Well, ain't we getting all hoity-toity? You sure you want to be seen with such a ruffian and a low-class individual as myself? You can hold my coat while I eat, I told him. Yeah, he said, right. The lift opened on eight, and we headed out to starboard. "'You have any insight as to what might be up here?' he asked. "'Why you picked eight instead of nine? "'Well, in my weakened and starved condition, that was high as I could raise my arm,' I told him. "'Well, as long as we have a good reason,' he said. "'We found a clean, friendly-looking place with a menu heavy on chicken and fish. "'It was rather later station time, going out midnight, "'and there was still a small line of people waiting to get in. "'We didn't have to wait that long, and we got a nice table overlooking the corridor "'where we could actually sit, enjoy a meal, and watch people.' We settled in, got our orders placed relatively quickly, and had that kind of, well, we're here, what do we talk about, pause, before Pip said, what the hell have you been up to, Ishmael? I don't think I've seen you for more than one stand total in the eight weeks since we left Petrus. I laughed. I missed you too, I told him, and proceeded to give him the rundown on the uh box and my work trying to unravel the mystery of the systems crash. He knew about Lois and C.C. already, of course. So what happened after I left you in Petrus, in that bar, he asked. Oh, a very cute girl picked me up and took me home with her for the night. A cute girl picked you up, he said, and laughed. I felt guilty about leaving you there for the last two months. Well, thanks, Pip, but never feel guilty about something like that, especially after I've told you to leave, I told him. Kate and Jeanette were not really into having two guys. Whatever mystical hold you have over them, they weren't interested in me. You were only wasting time, I shrugged. You're a strange man, you know that? So I've been told, I said with a grin. So I've been told. The waiter brought our food then, and we tucked in. I ordered a nice grilled muda, and Pip had some kind of chicken dish. We both enjoy it without talking for a while. We need to restock, Pip said at last. We've got tomorrow and the next day to stock up. How much mass do we have now? We're both full share. But you're spec two, so that's 50 for me and 80 for you? Yeah, I bumped up to 50 for full share and then 10 for spec three and 20 more for spec two. I'm still using only about 10 for clothes, so that's 70 available. Holy handmaidens, that's 110 kilos. What can we get? He asked. I don't know, Pip. Are we going to Umber or Barzi? I asked. And what should we buy differently for either? We're scheduled for umber, ocean planet with only a couple small islands for landmass. Perano fisheries own the planet, same group of the fisheries in St. Cloud, actually. All the people live on floating cities. They're apparently huge. So anything wood has to be imported, I said. Wood, stone, most textiles. They export fish, including a lot of shellfish. Also various seaweeds and seaweed products, he said. Well, I'm off tomorrow. I can try to scope out the flea, maybe convince Beverly or Brill to talk to me again. "'Oh, man, Beverly,' Pip said. "'I thought she was going to lose it when it looked like you were going to get stuck on Betris.' "'What?' "'It's true. She was a mess that whole stay.' "'Well, I saw her come dragging back late one night. She didn't look good. "'You have that effect on women-ish,' he teased. "'Once they've had a taste of the Ishmael charm, they're ruined for mere mortals.' "'We chuckled, and I filed that bit of information away. "'She's on mid-watch tonight, but maybe I can convince her to go shopping with me after lunch.' Pip held up his drink and I touched my glass to his as we both chanted better deals in the afternoon at the same time. Conversation lagged there a bit as we tucked back into the food. So how are you doing on the store's trading, I asked. Is it still pulling a chain? He looked up at me and finished chewing a mouthful of chicken before answering. You know, it's gotten pretty much automated. I'm not really doing that much anymore, he said. A little tweak here, a little tweak there, but Gookie usually spots them and I just make the data changes. I wondered, I told him. How about the empty container? Oh, that's going really well. I got a base budget of 50 kilocreds to fill it each time. We're pulling anything from 150 to 250 kilocreds back out. Nice ratios, I said, and sighed. What's the matter ish? He asked. What the hell am I going to do? I asked him. And for that matter, what are you going to do? Isn't your two-year contract up? Oh, well, I extended for another year. It'll expire in August 53, he admitted. Why? I asked him. He looked startled by the question. What? I'm going to leave just when we're starting to get established. If we buckle down now and do some serious trading with the co-op and our mass allocations, we'll be sitting on 50, 60 kilocreds in a year. I looked at him. You're serious? I asked. He shrugged. We've already split four and there's seven in there again. That's from a standing start with almost no mass alignment. Well, We had a lot of luck, I pointed out. Yeah, luck has a little bit to do with it, he said. But we picked cargoes that turned really good profits. And, yeah, Sarah made most of the stones. But she thrilled with her commission and we were just doing business. He shrugged. But we've been six months making 11K, I said. What makes you think we can turn that into 50 or 60 by this time next year? Two things, he said mass and money. We started with almost none of the first and darn little of the second. We now have enough mass and money to take just about anything we want. He made sense. But that doesn't answer the question in the long term. What are you going to do next year when your contract is up, I asked. I don't know, he said. What are you going to do? I pushed the last bit of carrot around on my plate and said, I told the captain I'd make up my mind about the academy. Make up your mind about it? Yeah, I said. Mr. Von Nichols brought it up, and then the captain took me aside while we were dithering around on Betras. I looked up at him to see how he was taking it. They think I should go. What do you think about it, he asked. I couldn't read his expression. I don't know. I think I need to get some kind of credential. A degree is good. If I'm going to go ashore, I'll need a trade or something. That's what pushed me out here to begin with. Well, you've got credentials to spare at the moment, he pointed out. Very true, I said thoughtfully, but I don't know. If I stop thinking about the creds, if I assume that somehow the ability to pay will be there, then most of my objections to going are silly. So the only thing really stopping you is the cred, he asked. No, not the only thing. I'm coming up on a year on the lowest in a couple of weeks. It's been a blast. I shrugged. If I still think it's fun at the end of two years, then maybe I need to go invest some time and money and get a third mate certificate and see where that leads me. What, and leave the Lois, he asked. Well, maybe Lois will be done with me by then, I pointed out. Yes, I know, I said, forestalling his comment on my talking about Lois like she were real. We were done with dinner, and the waiter took our plates, offering dessert, but neither of us was in the mood for dessert, so we settled up and headed out to walk off the meal. Finally, Pip said, so how much will it take? How much will what take, I asked. How much will it take to go to the academy? Conservatively? Sixty kilocreds for the four years? Fifteen a year, he asked. Yeah, something like that. Ten for tuition, half again more for room and board and books and equipment. So if we make sixty kilocreds over the next year, you'll have half of what you need. Yeah, I said, assuming I want to go next year. Well, even if you decide not to, that would be a nice little bonus to do anything you like, eh? Well, that's true, I said. Okay, well, hell, what are we worrying about this for now? He asked with a grin. We're two studly muffins out on the town. Why aren't we down on the O2 deck looking for lust? Behind us, a woman's voice said, Philip? Philip Carstairs, is that you? Pip stopped in his tracks, blanched as white as his ship tea, and turned to see who was talking to him. Oh, hi, Aunt P. What are you doing on Nile? Aunt P was a distinguished-looking woman with cropped, salt-and-peppered black hair, a lithe build, and a big, burly guy in tow. Hi, Uncle Q, Pip said. Phil, you, rascal,' Uncle Q said with a grin. "'What in the name of the Seven Sisters are you doing here? "'I thought you were at the Academy by now.' "'I arched an eyebrow at Pip, "'noting the similarity in build between Pip and Uncle Q. "'Uncle Quentin, Aunt Penelope, "'this is my shipmate, Ishmael Huang.' "'He made the introductions like they were barbed wire. "'Ish, this is my aunt and uncle, Captain Penelope, "'and first mate, Quentin Carstairs.' "'He looked like he wanted the decking to swallow him, "'but he added, "'On my father's side.' "'as if in either apology or explanation. "'How nice to meet you,' I said, "'and stuck out my hand in their general direction. "'I didn't know who I was supposed to shake first, "'so I let them decide. "'Captain took priority, "'and she gave me a firm and warm handshake. First mate next, with a good-natured burly grip "'that threatened but never actually attempted to crush my hand. "'You're his shipmate?' Aunt P asked, "'with a little head twitch, like some tall bird. "'Yes, Captain, we're on the Lois McKendrick.' "'Aunt P looked up at Uncle Q "'for a flashing instant before turning back. "'We thought you were in Port Newmar, dear.' "'Uh, yes, Aunt P., well, that actually didn't exactly happen.' "'So I see,' she replied primly. She looked up to her first mate again. He spoke this time. "'Well, this is hardly the place for a family reunion. Why don't you boys come back to the Penny and have a beer and we'll catch up?' I made as if to beg off, and Pip gave me the "'If you leave me here, I will hunt you down and kill you' look, so I merely shrugged, leaving the actual negotiation to him. "'I think we have time for one. Thank you, Uncle Q. Uh, "'We'll have to leave soon because we have duty in the morning, of course.' He was talking too fast, and I could see Aunt P's eyes narrow, but she didn't say anything. They started walking, and we fell into step. Pip walked beside Aunt P, who took him by the arm. Not so much as to walk arm in arm with her nephew as to prevent his hasty escape, I thought. I walked on the other side of Uncle Q. He didn't try to take my arm, and I didn't offer. He looked down at me curiously from time to time, a kind of bemused half-smile stamped on his face. Before it got too awkward, I said, "'So, uh, what brings you to Nile?' "'Triangle trade, Ishmael,' he said. "'Boat parts for the fishing fleet from here to Umber. "'Bulk fertilizer to Barris. "'Frozen food from Barris to here. "'It's not very exciting,' Aunt P added, "'but it's put our three boys through the academy "'and paid off the penny.' "'I leaned forward and looked at Pip walking along on the other end. "'He looked like he was marching to the gallows. "'Personally, I had no idea families could be so entertaining. "'Uncle Q and I had become quite fast friends "'by the time we got off the lift at the docks. "'Pip didn't seem to be faring so well with Aunt Q, "'but then they were already acquainted.' We headed to starboard where the orbital docked the smaller freighters. We walked to a standard lock and Aunt P keyed it open. A telltale said, Bad Penny, with a departure date of 23:52 August 20. Aunt P marched aboard as soon as the lock was open enough and Uncle Q stood back to let Pip and I go first. Aunt P was speaking into the intercom just inside the lock saying, Roger, we're home, honey. A disembodied voice said, Okay, Mom, from the overhead speakers. What struck me was how small it was. Now, I thought the Lois was small, but this was like walking into a tram. We had to walk single file, even through the lock. The passage wasn't more than five meters long before it opened into what looked like a living room. It was actually slightly larger than the living room that I remembered in the flat back on Naris, but it had a rug on the deck and a coffee table, even a pair of sofas arranged in that classic conversational grouping. I felt like I'd stepped into something out of Lewis Carroll. First mate Uncle Q crossed to the small wet bar and said, Drinkies? Anybody for Drinkies? "'Gin and tonic?' I asked, hopefully. "'Of course,' he said. "'Philip? A beer would be good, Uncle Q. Thank you.' He handed Aunt P what looked like a whiskey neat without asking, and she sucked about half of it down at the first go. He handed me a very nice gin and tonic, complete with citrus wedge. "'Thank you,' I said. Just like Mother used to make. He grinned, but Aunt P looked at me a little funny. "'You drank gin and tonics with your mother?' she asked. I shrugged. "'Yes, sir,' I told her. "'She didn't like to drink alone.' "'Just Penny, dear,' she said. "'I'm Penny when I'm at home.' Philip, a new voice boomed out of the passage, followed by a junior version of Uncle Q. What the hell are you doing here? I thought you were at the academy. Pip looked a little embarrassed by all the attention. Yeah, well, things didn't work out the way everybody expected. So when you left home, you were heading for Port Newmar, Aunt P said. Did you get shanghai along the way? Not exactly. I uh, didn't actually get on the liner for Port Newmar, he said, sucking on his beer. I signed articles and shipped out quarter share in the environmental section on the Marcel Duchamp. "'Well, how'd you get onto the Lois?' Aunt P. asked. "'They didn't let you transfer.' "'Uh, no, they traded me.' "'The overhead took a dent when Aunt P.'s eyebrows bounced off, but the Lois had a crewman who wanted to transfer an environmental pip. Uh, "'Philip was willing to help them out. "'It was a good move for everybody,' I contributed. "'Roger, in the meantime, had helped himself to a beer "'and had thrown himself down on the sofa with his feet on the coffee table.' I looked around, and except for the obvious things like the hatch combings on the lock that I could see from where I sat on the couch, I could have been in somebody's house. I supposed in a very real way I was. The conversation flagged for a moment, and Roger grinned and offered, Uncle Thomas is going to throw a rod when he finds out around the neck of his beer bottle. I looked at Philip with a grin and gave him the, Oh, we are going to have to chat later, look. Aunt P sighed then and said, What in hell were you thinking, Philip Carstairs? "'Your father and mother are expecting you back with your third's mate ticket ready to go. "'How have you managed to fool them into thinking you're actually at the academy?' "'Semester in space,' he said miserably. "'Semester in space,' she said. "'For two years?' "'He shrugged. "'Well, you know how they are with things like that. "'They probably didn't notice that it's been that long.' "'Uncle Q said, "'Well, they were proud of you for winning that scholarship, "'so they didn't have to pay tuition and fees,' he winked. "'That was ingenious.' Aunt P slapped him on the leg. Don't encourage the boy Quentin, she snapped. She turned back to Pip and said, You know, we're going to have to tell him, Philip. He nodded with a miserable expression on his face, but didn't say anything. Aunt P threw herself back in her easy chair and took another slug of whiskey from the glass before heaving a sigh. So, what are you planning, Phil? He looked up. Well, I just wanted to get a feel for what it's like on the other side before I got tied down at the academy, Aunt P. Take a year or two. Or three, she interrupted. He shrugged. Or three. See whether I could make it out here trading on my own for a bit. She stared at him for a while. You always were the hellion of the group, she said fondly. Are you going to hide out for the rest of your life, she asked. He shrugged a kind of resigned shrug. Ishmael and I were just discussing going to the academy over dinner, actually. They all three seemed to remember I was there and focused on me. Are you interested in going to the academy, Ishmael? Aunt P asked. I don't know, I told her honestly. It's something that Captain Chagon has talked about with me, but I don't know how I can manage it. But I'm thinking about it. Alice Chagone has talked with you about going to the academy, Uncle Q asked. Yes, I said. I told her I wanted to work out my contract and see if I still like it out here before I commit that kind of time and money. Aunt P smiles. Well, if I know Alice, you'll make up your mind the way she wants you to, and you'll like it, too. I smiled at that. No doubt, sir, Uh, Penny, no doubt. Uncle Q asked me, so what's your rating, Ishmael? Pip started to laugh, but got it under control quickly. Oh, you're going to love this answer. Go for it, Ish. Well I'm rated Cargaman, Messman, Able Spacer, Spec Two systems, and Spec two Environmental, I said. The statement lay there on the coffee table, feeling lonely, for quite some time before Roger said, God. You're rated full share in all four divisions, Aunt P confirmed. Yep, he is, Pip said. You look so young, she said. How long have you been a spacer? Pip choked back another laugh. "'Well, I'll be finishing my first year in a couple of weeks,' I said, "'suddenly uncomfortable with the way this was going. "'Oh, so you come from a spacer family?' Aunt P persisted. "'Uh, no. My mother was an ancient lit professor at the University of Narras. "'Aunt P and Uncle Q looked at me and then back at each other and then back at me. "'No wonder Alice wants him to go to the academy,' Uncle Q said. "'Aunt P just nodded with that speculative look in her eye. "'Are you looking for birth-ish?' she asked. "'No, Penny, thank you. I quite enjoy my work on the lowest for now.' If you change your mind, let me know, she said. Somebody with your skill set is hugely marketable. Pip said, oh my, look at the time. We've both got duty in the morning. We better head back. I was surprised when Aunt P didn't argue, just stood and walked us to the lock. She managed to get between Pip and me and turned while Uncle Q was saying goodnight to Pip. He's an idiot, but he's our idiot. Watch out for him, she said quickly and softly, and then more loudly, it's been a pleasure to meet you, Ishmael. Please give my regards to Captain Chagone. Thank you, Penny, I will, I said, and I shook her hand and then Uncle Q's hand on the way out of the lock. Pip and I walked quickly back down the docks toward the Lois. I laughed all the way. Pip just looked miserable. Thanks for listening to Full Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is from the Fox Hunters, an Irish slip jig originally recorded in 1984 by James Curran and available on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 2.5 license. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.durandus.org golden.